Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with experimental musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Massimo Pupilo, who's perhaps best known as the bass player for Zoo, but also just a sonic explorer in all directions. He collaborates with so many different musicians in so many different contexts and always seems to be questioning what he's done previously. The most recent Zoo album called Jator was unlike anything really they've released up to this point. Again, the role of the studio felt ever more prominent and they've really shed this sound that they once had which was this trio of drums bass and sax which was very fast paced very visceral kind of rock based and now there's this beautiful sculptural music which has sort of risen and unraveled out of it and that's what jator is it's an incredible record he's also recently started a collaboration with thai paul sandra of coil called rook And they released an album called I Leave a Silver Trail Through Blackness at the end of last year, which is this really meticulous, ever-evolving electronic work. So much detail to mine there. There's no way you can hear all of it on first pass. It's a record that demands that you go back and hear everything that took place within your own listening blind spots the first time round. And so it was wonderful to speak to Massimo about both the new Zoo record, the new Uruk record, but also his album choices. He couldn't quite whittle it down to three, so we allowed four in this scenario. If you want to keep up to date with what Massimo is doing, go to zooism.net. That's the website for Zoo. And go to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on Massimo's picks and links to his music as well. Okay, here we go. Massimo Papillo on Crucial Listening. Hello, Massimo. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello. Oh, hello, Jack. <laughs> um, I want to start our conversation by talking about your recent album with Thai Paul Sandro, which is yeah. beautifully titled, um, I Leave a Silver, Silver Trail Through Blackness. Mm-hmm. I just managed to ruin it there by trying to recite it, but you know. Um, I'd like to start by asking, I mean, what was the initial form of contact between you both and how did a musical project come to fruition from that? Uh, the first contact came through a couple of different people. It was uh, uh, clearly, I remember, it was uh, Valentina Magaletti, the drummer in uh, Tomaga, you, 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 and uh, many other projects. I, I guess you, you're aware of her. Mm-hmm. She, and um, she 
had just recorded uh, the U, U sessions uh, with Tavol Sandra. And uh, when we met, she told me, oh, you know, Tavol Sandra is really fond of your work with Zoo and he really loved Zoo and he asked me many things. And, and then someone else also came up to me with this... Uh, with um, more or less the same sentence. And uh, I've been a huge uh, fan of Coil since teenagers. We'll talk about it later, I guess. <laughs> and uh, especially, I, I lost, kind of lost interest in them uh, in the mid 90s uh, when they were uh, through this more acid house uh, chemical period. Mm. Uh, and uh, I rediscovered when they released the uh, music to play in the dark. I was not paying particular attention to what they were doing at the, that point. But then I discovered the music to play in the dark, and I was completely in uh, awe about it. And uh, I, I've been listening to those two albums uh, um, repeatedly so much. And uh, I think. Over the last period, the last years of Coil, he has been a, such a um, unique and precious contribution to the band. It's like they, they resurrected in a different form, I guess, thanks to, to his uh, musical input. For me, the idea of uh, just connecting and just knowing someone that, that uh, was part of that uh, story was uh, already very, very intense and important. And then um, uh, he just invited me over to record something at this uh, studio in uh, in Wales, which is, you know, between positions sometimes it's just the the, the shortcut, you know, just come over and, and and let's let's play some some music together, and uh, and then we <clears throat> dived in uh, uh, this world of in, in, his sound world and my my sound world connected and uh, we got shortly to the point where no one really knew if uh, which one was playing what it was <laughs> like the, the the sounds coming from modular synthesizers and sounds coming from the bass completely merging to each other and so it got really fun also to do this and uh, and uh, I, I think for me I'm, I'm I'm learning a lot because it's, it's uh, really, I cannot tell you only praises for, for Tybal Sandra, for his uh, musical uh, knowledge and technical knowledge and uh, openness and ideas and vision and, and enthusiasm. So we just started to do this uh, again and again. As, as soon as we had uh, both, we had uh, some free time, we started to meet again. So. We recorded the first one that came out in uh, December. We have another one that is ready, coming out in June on a French label, on a, on a Ici d'ailleurs. It's wow. a very, very good French label. They have this uh, series called Mind Travels. So they invited us. It's the same label that did uh, um, a very nice Coil tribute uh, a few years ago called uh, This Immortal Coil. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. And then we started to play a few shows and we'll, we'll uh, play again in uh, Copenhagen in uh, the end of March and probably record another session around those days. Uh, so it's 
uh, it became uh, very quickly the, one of my main projects, I guess. Yes. And, yeah, and because it's so it's challenging in in the nice sense, you know, it's challenging the, in the sense that uh, uh, it's music that is always um, bringing me out from from what I already know. It's always making making me want to jump into into unknown territory with with sound and with the with composition or with the the, the the shape of compositions and all of that that's interesting oh. that you say that i mean one of the notes i made while i was listening through the record earlier is that it sounds like an album that's constantly questioning itself and <clears throat> overturning itself i mean that to me sounds like it has a lot of parallels in the way that you've seen the development of Coil, in fact, you know, yeah, but also yeah. you both seem so scrutinizing and you're just, it just feels like there's constantly movement taking place. And no sooner have I aligned what I'm hearing with perhaps a certain sentiment or uh, atmospheric disposition, then it's starting to change. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so how I mean, how were you putting this record together? Because it sounds like something that's been under intense scrutiny in its creation. Yes, yes. it's uh, both records are born from uh, uh, long hours of uh, improvisations together, and uh, after that, even longer hours of um, editorial uh, work, where really every every single uh, sound is uh, is uh, under the lenses you know like we open every single thing and uh, start to to use it uh, uh, not so much as um, like just cutting and editing and improvisation but really using the, all the single elements to compose no, instead of composing like writing on paper, in this case you compose where you have, you have all the sounds in front of you on a screen and you, you start to use as uh, the little uh, uh, blocks of your new architecture. No? So this one goes there and the other one goes there, but changed or reversed or, or pitched or, you know, stretched. And uh, so it took... Um, lot lot of time to um, to do this but you know th those days that just go uh, very quickly because <laughs> you are so immersed in, in what you're doing and i think we found also a, i don't know a similar uh, similar vision in the sense that uh, we are stimulating each other was never a moment where we were like, oh, I, I would like to to go there, and uh, we have to compromise. It was never, never one case of that. Oh wow! Mm -mm. How does that process compare to the one that brought the latest Zoo album into being? Because when I've read about you talking about recording that album and putting that album together it almost feels like you're talking about it in similar terms in the fact that every single note of certain instruments oh, yes. was shaped and molded. So is there a, a likeness in the way in which those two albums were put together for you? Well, for me, it has to do with my 
travel into music my if you if you want development in the sense that until a certain point with zoo we were really uh, aligned with the steve albini way of thinking like <laughs> the studio is uh, just a representation of the live set mm. and uh, this started started to change uh, uh, thanks to the sound engineer, which was also our live engineer we had on uh, on uh, Carboniferous, because he, he told me just one little sentence when we were awarded that album. It was like, if you're making a movie and you're recording the um, the um, horse uh, steps directly from a horse steps, you know, with a with a microphone, mm. it it will never be as good as when you record uh, coconuts <laughs> yeah you know be, be, you're making a, an album is completely I, I started to separate the the, uh, the in fact the last album is completely is born in a way that we we have been thinking this is an album is not something that is going to be performed live you know we we took this um, this freedom if you want to separate completely the the two things in fact they have nothing in, uh, in common you can you can release an album that it's not possible to to play live or it's possible but with a lot of uh, of work and and uh, challenges so mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly from there like in 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 carbonivirus there are like literally more than 40 bass track per uh, bass line. What? Yeah, it's like the um, everyone is ta- is taped on five different routes of sound, and then there's the low end, uh, clean low end, distorted low end, clean high end, distorted high end, and then overdubs. So we ended up sometimes we were 48 uh, only bass uh, tracks. <laughs> with, with, with that one and and, and uh, Jadr, we we finished. We, we are joking about being Metallica. We, <laughs> we finished. We finished the the um, the Pro Tools um, track. Uh, you know, it's like I don't know, 126 tracks. We finished them in three people. So we had to to make subgroups and started to mix. But you know, and, and it's not something. It's not a representation of the life, but it sounds. Uh, you know. It, it, it sounds in a way that um, it, it was the first time that an album sounded like uh, with that impact and that uh, pressure and that sound that we try to have live. So this changed things in my mind, like, um, okay, to, to, it's two completely different uh, approaches. So, and and then I started to... to yeah, to open more about this idea and started to to see the studio as a part, really part of the creative process, which is something that already, I don't know, crowd rock bands now can used to do that. Yeah. So it's not a new idea, but um, for 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 me and for us it was, and so we started to com- conceive music also like. Okay, we can we can write in a different way, and uh, in the case of Jador, uh, all the parts are more or less written down with 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 uh, um, some freedom, of course, for the musicians because there are all s- such great musicians involved. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was more like editing 
<clears throat> all these scenes of of a movie together, but the, the story was already written in a way, so it was not uh, so so difficult to do that. But like sometimes we we wanted to have this effect, like in the second uh, part of the album, the koto playing in the beginning, uh, this uh, solo acoustic, beautiful uh, in in our mind had mm. to become something uh, from organic into abstractness, uh, into, uh, you know, it's like going from the earth into unknown space. So you cannot just push a pedal and do that. So <laughs> you, uh, there was a lot of, every every single note of that one was was a little bit tweaked more and more and more and more and more until it got to to this uh, abstractness uh, the, the, in the center. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's interesting hearing you talk about it. I mean, I think originally when I heard the record, it really caught me off guard. Um, I think perceiving it as a record in the lineage of zoo albums it mm. feels like whoa what's happened here but yeah i think hearing you describe the process there almost does feel like an inevitability to where you've ended up like the studio now is almost feels like you know one of the primary drivers not somewhere where the music is housed but yeah the music itself and i'd never really thought about that being almost like a a next step for you guys but yeah it's, a, it's like it's, it's an instrument you know like like the, mm-hmm. these guys in the 70s uh, the german guys used to say the studio <laughs> itself is, is another instrument is another instrument so uh started to to see it more and more and more that way actually of course i know i know the zoo history quite quite well no? <laughs> and i know that uh, for, for me jadar is not a is not a, a surprise because there were signs of jadar already inside uh, old albums like the an album we did with the um, nobukatsu takemura in 2005 i think mm. came out in 2007 it was like a tryout for this jump and uh, mm. we Probably we didn't really succeed back then because uh, some some things were too ahead for us. We didn't have also a lot of references for uh, for something that was coming out, like you know sound reference, mm. Mm, like oh this can be you know when can be ar- arranged in that way. We can um, uh, use that word to to. As a reference for this for that moment, we we didn't have that, so it, it came out very rough. But the ideas inside that album were already uh, bringing to um, to this world, I think. Yeah. Well, it's one of numerous things I've heard from you recently. I mean, you talk about accumulating references. It feels like you've had enough musical experiences in the last couple of years to last anyone else a lifetime i mean Mm. seeing the amount of collaborations that you've done is insane so many i I mean i I know i know (laughs) how's that how's that been for you i mean it's yeah it's so much material and a lot of it is so different and so disparate and seems to require so many different um sonic characteristics how how has it been to switch between those different contexts 
I think this came for me came out after a long period of break from music. Hmm. No, I was I was uh, outside of music uh, and uh, really outside of the Western world for two and a half years, and um, I didn't realize that I was accumulating a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas also that would challenge my own uh, uh, perspectives on music once once I went back. So it was challenging in a way that uh, the ideas that I was coming back with, you know, it was they were m- more like life and spiritual or philosophical ideas that I had, uh, I have uh, gathered uh, along the way with traveling and uh, and they needed, like, like before, they needed to be expressed if, if I wanted to play more music and, and, and I wanted to, to, to do this and to write music that was honest for me, that is representative expressing what is important for me with I mean the, the main reason why why I guess I play or or any anyone or or maybe let's say I play music to do this uh, and challenging uh, myself and, and go out of my comfort zone which is always uh, um, a big uh, temptation no? yeah. once you establish a style and you are even a little bit recognized for that, no? It's so comfortable to just stay there and uh, keep repeating and and uh, milk that cow. <laughs> <laughs> so this wouldn't wouldn't really work for how I'm 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 wired, I guess. So uh, on one side, I was really blessed to meet on my way people who were interested in my work as much as I was in their work that would help me to to make these these leaps into new territories you know and keeping a trail you know keeping a trail from what you have done but uh, going into something that you don't know you know and and uh, writing in different ways and uh, addressing different um, emotions and different also subjects than before because I guess it's normal that you cannot just keep repeating the same story for uh, so many times or, or so many years, you know? Mm. Sometimes the, the, the urge you have to say something in a way dissipates because you have said it, you know? You have said it as as clear as you could, in a way. And, and, and then uh, if you keep repeating that, it's just marketing. Yes. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a more uh, smart thing to do. But on the other side... If uh, the fire is burning into a different, uh, a different fuel, you know, then then it's uh, it's better to express it, or or uh, it will consume you if you don't. That, that's how I think, <laughs> uh, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's been great to try and keep as much tabs as I can on you and your your own journey through that, and I know that I'm going to get a you know very vivid and vibrant and heartfelt listening experience if i experience that for myself so thank you um we should talk about some records that you've brought here today i mean i in doing research for speaking to you found that you've already really done something quite similar <laughs> with echoes and dust only within the past oh yeah 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 six, seven months yeah. but um i yeah i i don't i don't yes 
Yes, I did. I, I, I tend to forget a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go back really to, to, to read. You know, there's so much interesting stuff to read that I don't go back to read my own. You know? So I tend to forget. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I saw it as it's well. probably though. the same album. So. <laughs> I was um, glad to see actually it wasn't entirely the same. So I thought mm-hmm. that's good. But also as well, that was framed as influential albums. And I, I know mm-hmm. with Crucial Listening, I asked the question as to which three albums are important to you. So I'm intrigued as to whether the framing of thinking of three records that are important to you, what was your process for thinking about the term importance in that context and what records you should be putting forward? Well, important uh, means um, impact on uh, on your life, Hmm. you know, on your way of thinking, you know, I think we we always, uh, as music uh, fans and obsessives, we always look for to find something that moves us and uh, and challenges uh, in a, in the right way, as um, no, and gives us uh, um, uh, new possibilities of thinking or or envisioning things. No? So I guess these albums for me are are after all the albums that yeah, of course there are there are many that are important you know some are, are important in a, more in a musical sense hmm. very important in a musical sense you no know? some something that really made me want to play music for example is important you know? or completely the i was thinking about the um, that Einsturzen about an album Aldermensch because I discovered it when I came out and, and completely destroyed my way of looking at music. You know? <laughs> it, it, it was like this, this, I don't know, this track that came and b- b- tore the, the house down. And I was like, okay, you see, now it's, it, music is everything. You, know? <laughs> you can do music with absolutely you know, everything and and. And uh, from that album, I started to to go into actually into the contemporary music world a lot. But but I I think when uh, I I was thinking of the, about these three albums were more three albums that were important for me as a more, more as a human even than than as a you know than as a musician. Well, let's dive in. I mean, I'll let you pick whichever one you want to talk about first. If you'd like to give me the title of it and also a little bit about why it's important for you as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's start with um, with Arvo Bart. <clears throat> because Arvo Bart was the first one that came to my mind. Tabula rasa. Mm. No, like, no, no question. <laughs> this is one of my most important albums. And... All these albums I've been listening rapidly, you know, until these days, you know, yeah. always going back to to them. Mm. Arvo Vart, I remember clearly, or this is just a little uh, uh, quick, uh, how do you say, uh, footnote, but I read, uh, I was really young, like 15, uh, I read this interview with uh, David Sylvian, which I really liked. Someone asked me about his, his inspiration, and I remember he was, he said um, the director Tarkovsky and Arvo Varta. 
and uh, the, the way I was I, I was uh, doing things when when back then was like immediately I went to the you know the video rental uh, shop and rented uh, Tarkovsky <laughs> and uh, I went to the music store and bought one uh, this this one Art <laughs> album you know and and then I digged a lot into Arvobart music uh, until today because it's never ending really it's it's, it's such a, it's such a incredible body of work I think one thing that keeps me going back it's really the the um, the sense of mystery of this music is really a sense that is not about the notes or the scales or you know of course he's a classical composer so he knows everything but there's a sense of uh, something else coming in the music that is not just a uh, a good composer it's it's someone who has um, a vision and uh, is someone that uh, uh, is conveying something for me, I can I can only use the the word uh, transcendental, you know, without giving it any connotation, traditional connotation. But um, I always felt this way with this music, and it was always very mysterious. Uh, um, I, I saw this year, just recently, in a, in a church in Bologna, performance of uh, Cantus in Memory of Benjamin Britten, who is in this album. Oh wow! And uh, and it's just, you know, from a technical point of view, is a scale. It's one scale repeated from the orchestra at different speed until it, it all goes into a one note. They all meet at one point. There is one note and there is a final drum of that one note. Mm. But seeing it live, it's, it's been one of the musical experience of my life, I guess. It's uh, just in- incredible. And 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 it's so simple, technically, mm. that it, it is really something that that uh, transcends even music itself. There, and that sense of mystery, like like where did, do these ideas come from? You know, yeah. <laughs> where is it? Where did he tapped into? Say, let's say download. This uh, this idea it's it, it, it's just incredible and and also keeps from a musical point of view keeps reminding me that uh, you should never be afraid of simplicity and that simple and uh, elementary are two very 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 different concepts um, yeah but but really sometimes you just need. Uh, something very simple, but you know, well, very well. Uh, in, in a way, for me, it's very uh, also staying in the musical uh, sense. It's very revolutionary because the history of uh, of um, classical music went went more and more and more into um, virtuosistic appreciation, and also in a way, the history of rock music went there. So you go to see a virtuoso soloist and also I, I i think listening to to composers that sometimes composers are really acting like virtuoso mm. 
mm. you know just showing see how how much i can do you know see what how difficult i, I can make it you know and i, I really get that uh, that intention I, i i i read that intention in the music while uh, that arbo Vart has nothing to do with uh, with uh, being virtuoso but of course uh, not everyone can play his music because it's it's just based on a uh, different uh, sensitivity it's not about uh, being having you know being fast or uh, and in this way i see i consider him very very revolutionary you know? it's so interesting to see that one of the common themes that comes up when people talk about arvo part is the sense of something else almost that mm-hmm. he's a conduit for a force that's beyond just him and whether that's because the fact that what what you seem to be alluding to there is that there's not a lot of ego in the way that he presents his work and mm. not a lot of showmanship in a traditional sense but uh, i read a quote from i think it was the premiere of tabula rasa Mm-hmm. way back in the day where someone said that it felt like um was it i had the feeling that eternity was touching me through this music and that <laughs> nobody wanted to start clapping afterwards mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. i guess that's because it you know almost shatters this experience of yeah. breaking through into yeah. you know perhaps something that's not entirely corporeal and, and i think as you say mm-hmm. there like maybe you know that doesn't have to align itself with anything traditionally spiritual it can be entirely secular but that's the impression that a lot of people seem to get yeah i i mean yeah these are uh, very very difficult topics in a way because uh, still people think of anything that is uh, spiritual as religious no? <laughs> as, and, and and this is a huge, huge misunderstanding no? huge misunderstanding and mm. uh, also yeah i don't know if this is the, the the place to go there but the fact that i mean still we think in these categories like atheist or um, believing god with uh, you know yeah that it, polarity yeah is is like the is like democrats and republicans really for me you know? <laughs> it's, it's really like a joke you know it, like like okay you learn to think with the lowest possible uh, um denominators you know it's, it's just like life made as uh, elementary really as possible <laughs> Yeah, it is. But, uh, I, I definitely I think it, it, there's a, a vocabulary problem there. Mm-hmm. And w- if you want to use the word spiritual, I think it's also been tainted by its own set of stock beliefs. And yes, then if you yes. say spiritual, suddenly people think that you collect crystals and yes. you know that you which have is, the soul which lamp is and... nothing wrong also to collect this absolutely no 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 <laughs> you yeah, know let me make that clear that's totally yeah, fine yeah, i know i know exactly what you mean i know i know it's a, a new age uh, kind of uh, conspiracy if you want that's it yeah no yeah but uh, also if you just like what happened to me in the in the years i was traveling and i was traveling in uh, in places that kept uh, very very strong uh, traditional sense and 
the way that music or chanting more is um, conceived in the um, traditional uh, Tibetan world, the, which w I was there first, and then in the Amazonian uh, shamanic world, you know, mm. is um, completely different than what music became uh, mostly for for Western people. Mostly, if you if you read interviews with with uh, musicians. Uh, mostly we had the sense of um, entertainers, no? Yes. And uh, I don't know, it's like taking the whole world of food and making it into candies for me. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, uh, and then I started to, to realize and think, well, this has been this way maybe for the last hundred, let's say 200 years, you know, but, but we have an history of music that goes way, way, way back. And music has been with with humanity as long as we know. Mm. Now there are there are music artifacts from 150,000 years ago. And so the, this is just to say that there must be, there must have been uh, a very, very internal uh, reason why we started to make music. The same as when you see cave paintings, you know. Mm. Th that is not uh, an art exhibition. They were painted mostly in caves where the light didn't come in. Yeah. So they were painted for completely different reasons why mostly uh, artists uh, are uh, rolling now. But this, you know, th there is that, I think that sense and that drive that urgency that brought people to go you know to sleep inside the rocks with the with with the, uh, with the fire and uh, and 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 painted in, in strange positions and you know that drive mm. is still within us i'm sure it is we, we didn't lose it you know we uncover it in bullshit but we didn't lose it um what does that look like for you as someone who plays music i mean do you have any thoughts it's probably something that doesn't lend itself too much to being articulated but any thoughts on what your relationship with music is as a performer and in terms of perhaps the utility of doing that and the, and the reasons that you seek to do that uh i think albert taylor said it wonderfully when he, he stated that music is the healing force of the universe. I think it cannot be said better than, than he did. In different, in different ways, no? In all the different ways that music takes. you'd like to introduce your second album Massimo yes. that'd be great and, and tell uh -huh. me about why it's important yeah. to you as well um, well I uh, I chose uh, Horse Elevator by Coil 
I could choose many other albums by Coil, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the reason why Horse of the Vader is because I discovered them with that album. So it's, it's the one who had the biggest uh, impact. We are, you know, all, all uh, the people in Zua from Ostia, you know, near Rome, the Sea of Rome. And a friend of mine came with this album and said, oh, there's a, there's a song about Ostia, you know, about the murder of Pasolini in this album. And we were completely shocked that someone would make uh, such a beautiful piece of music about something that was in our, you know, in our view, in our world, you know, and in this completely bad place where Pasolini was killed, where we used to go as, as kids, you know, mm. to uh, really tore down, you know, the bad, bad mud mud and uh, and uh, and ruins place you know? it was like a link between our story and another story and this created for me a big love for for coil you know and then um, in a way it's, it's very related to what we were just saying because they clearly stated their their um, art as non-musicians you know which is a little bit similar to early Brian Eno also, no? this very clear statement about being a non-musician. So it, it gave them, I guess, this freedom approaching with sound that um, it was not contained in any rule, in any dogma, and they could just explore. And also they, are, they taught me that they, they always... Uh, were kind of generous in their liner notes, like putting, for me especially, you know, coming from really suburban, not very cultural place as Ostia, having this list of uh, of uh, music and f- movies and, and books in their albums. Mm. For me, it was, you know, pre-internet was like uh, <laughs> treasures, you know, I would like, I, I would start to explore into, I don't know, no, from William Burroughs to to anything that they were um, talking about, mm. and uh, also there was this sense of mystery, like the, where do these ideas come from? No? Yeah. It's clearly they don't come from the history of rock. It's clearly they don't come from uh, you know all that um, lineage. You know, very very good lineage, but it goes from rock back to rhythm blues, back to to blues. Uh, or to jazz, there's nothing to do with that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so where are their inspirations? Where, where, where are they diving into, you know? And then you find out also they dive into this world of, uh, of uh, magic and uh, obscure painters uh, or poets, uh, you know? And, um, and for me, it started to, to, to become clear that as a musician, you can really um, draw your inspiration from everything, not only from the the albums of the band you're liking the most, or you know, or uh, <clears throat> or the last uh, wave uh, of uh, fashionable music, or or whatever it is. You can really be inspired by by book, by painting, by by. Um, uh, an occult uh, uh, writer or, a, or or an history and 
and I started to feel this in their music mm. that were all these very very deep currents going you know especially in uh, <clears throat> the case of English culture going back to probably to I don't know to John Dee for example what I love is well is that there's no prejudice as to where they're taking their sounds from and it seems to me that they have such a wonderful um, concept of the power of reframing things yeah for example when i was listening back through it today i'm so glad you picked this album by the way it's been ages since i really listened all the way through but um circles of mania has these horns on it which outside of that context in a completely different context would be just the cheesiest yeah. sort of it's almost like yeah. a diy cabaret yeah. kind of it almost, almost reminded me of twin peaks or something just this you know really lo-fi mm-hmm. very sexy mm-hmm. thing yeah. but yeah absolutely recast in this almost quite scary manner within that track but you just never theoretically it'd be so difficult to you know visualize how those elements would all go together <laughs> yes yeah yeah it's amazing it is, uh, yeah yeah this is really work of uh, of genius in my mind because yeah some elements uh, still for me now when especially with that album the album i think you, you can agree that uh, is one that feels a little bit old in in the sonic sense because they were really pioneering the the sampling there Mm. was really the beginning of uh, maybe it was the first fi- firelight sampler in uh, in UK that we, they were they were using they had access to and uh, sometimes you feel a bit of plastic in their in their sound <laughs> no? but but still sometimes it's like who would have thought to to put that horn yes or or, the, or those uh, no the horses or in there <laughs> yeah, it's like so absurd. It's so out there. It's so it's so beyond uh, even uh, Dadaism because it's not just a pastiche. Yeah, it's not just putting random elements and putting them together in a shape. It's just it's a strong strong stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What I think is great as well. I mean, this is an album from the mid '80s, and mm. just yesterday I spoke for this podcast with a guy called mark fell who put forward african head charge as one of his suggestions and again in the early years of sampling being inducted into this kind of music which had such a liberal view of what could count within music just some of the uses of samples are so brash i mean they had dog barks on that album he recommended which was ridiculous and it almost feels as now now that sampling is perhaps a bit more normalized that there is now a a framework of acceptability around sampling or yeah, yes. what fits which in the 80s yes. seemed less present do you know what i yeah. mean yeah 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 because they were really pioneering and, uh, yeah now you 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 buy sample libraries you know mostly mostly the musicians play with the uh, sample libraries yeah no, and uh, and this already tells you everything is normalized and <laughs> sanitized. You yeah, know, it's supposed to to sound good or to sound that way, and uh, you, you don't have that sense of uh, well, I don't know. Maybe genius is just a shortcut, you know, to describe. <laughs> but 
but yeah also there was there was this sense of a really in a way true punk rock sense of uh, no compromise like this is my expression take it or leave you yeah know? it's uh, it was so, it's so clear it's like this is not for everyone and i don't care this is true this is my truth this is what i have to say this for me is much more punk rock than 99% than punk rock yes. punk rock So I know with your final record, there was maybe it was going to be either one or the other. We'll talk about both, but I don't know which one you want to to bring up first. Yeah, I'll bring up uh, Imperium by Karen 93. Mm. Because uh, also has had an impact on my life. Very, 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 very strong. Especially only side A. Side B, I think, is just filler. I guess. <laughs> I hope uh, Tibet doesn't. <laughs> no, <don't read> <laughs> but um, side A is, is, is just incredible. For me, it was just incredible in the way that, again, opened up like what was not just finding something new or unique, was just, for me, was opening up what music can be, could yeah. be. It's. Um, Almost in that, for me, in that first um, side, in the side A of that album, is uh, it reminds me, it brings me to a kind of um, alchemical um, uh, imaginary, mm, yeah, with this uh, sense of um, nigredo of the alchemy, you know, the first uh, step in the alchemical uh, map, let's say, you know, because these are just maps, is the blackening. No. It's the blackening of the elements, or blackening of the soul. It's like the what in uh, in uh, Christianity has been called the um, obscure night of the soul, and what psychologists call uh, depression today. <laughs> <No. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's this blackening, complete blackening, and and like going there, and and let it boil until something comes out and comes out in a maybe still back then in that album in distorted and grotesque uh, shape but there is uh, the the what what really uh, even now sometimes i i ask to people i know do you know that album and i play that to them and everyone is in really touched by by it because it's in that obscurity in that unknowing and, and that blackening there is comes out a sense of beauty very very hidden but a sense of uh, beauty which is, for me is almost uh, classical mm. and this opened also the idea of uh, music being more than music that we t- have talked about before like because no one uh, there is not internally 
experiencing something like that or driven to express it can ever come up with something like that. You cannot fake you cannot fake that. And was this the first current ninety three album you heard? No, actually the first the first one was uh, Dog's Blood Rising. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was <It's> intense. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a very in a way very precocious and also very <laughs> fucked up uh, teenager looking back you know i thought i was normal back then but i was <laughs> i was listening to this music wow yeah, yeah. but really in uh, w- there was a very very good uh, record store in rome and uh, could find everything and sometimes i was just buying these albums because they had incredible uh, covers mm. yeah the dog's blood rising one i seem to remember being quite striking as well yeah um, the gargoyle that's it yeah 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 but then the, the, those albums were more the first albums for me were more like not provocative but was this noise it was this harshness uh, mm. and then imperium uh, i think it's the prelude for the folk period for them is uh is just mysterious again i think it's it's what what is more important for me i, I guess is this sense of mystery is like who can come out come out with something like this yeah it's so strange it's so unique and so um and also you know in, in the inner sense also not giving a shit because it's completely uncommercial yeah but the the most important thing is this uh, sense that there's more than music here, you know. There's a, the that you can almost sense the um, personal research of someone. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. It sounds like it was recorded in like an empty. I want to say church. Uh, it's 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 got the kind of like cold stone feeling to it especially yeah. with his voice uh, yeah that echo is like so beautifully pitched i think for this record are there any other current 93 records that speak to you with the same intensity as this one yeah there are a few i think very very nice uh, albums they did like uh, even m- more recently black sheep at the sky yeah and uh, Thunder Perfect Mind and a lot of his collaboration with Stabilon I'm, I'm more like there are some 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 of his work with with uh, Stabilon from Nurse with Boon which, which are really really good yeah. yeah yeah even even stuff where there's no voice but it's all, only the two of them they are really good yeah that, there, there are a few like, and uh, also this huge huge body of work Yes. <laughs> I I guess at least if it's you know something you're discovering initially back in the 80s or I don't know when you first heard it but at least then there was um what feels like maybe a finite body of work to be handling but I mean yeah I first discovered them in I think 2008 mm-hmm. and I was quite overwhelmed really once yeah. I started to try and decide what to listen to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and obviously you have a collaborative relationship with david yeah you've performed with him before in the context of zoo 93 yes how was that experience for you uh 
I don't even know where to start, you know, because it, <laughs> it, it, it's, um, again, one of those things where someone that has been important for your, uh, for your um, uh, path, no? and, and uh, at one point you manage to, you're in the same room or in the same studio and you're working together, you know, and you, you're uh, exchanging the, let's, let's say, the creative uh, fluids, you know. Mm. Yeah, maybe it's strange because I started to 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 realize after you know the, the I, I make a little, a little detour here. I've been always uh, looking and very very obsessive and and about music and it's been my you know almost my second uh, work uh, is to listen. Hmm. It never stops, and uh, I. I went into many different uh, worlds, and uh, and also the, the, I think with Zoo we we um, explored in many in very very different worlds. But then at some point, it's like my personally, at least for me, my my initial uh, like archetypes came back. You know, it's like I felt like I made uh, in a way a full circle. You know, like you 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 walk the earth and you come back home you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i felt like like this in the in the last years a little bit and i really reconciled with um, with all the music i was listening really young like like this all this stuff we, we talked about today you know and and um, i started to realize wow these these were my my blueprints hmm. Uh, in the sense, not in the musical sense, strictly like in a lot of zoo, you probably don't hear anything coming from Imperium. You know, yeah. it's not about uh, taking, uh, you know, the drums or the, the 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 or a bass line. It's not about that. It's more the inner work. It's like where where this music is bringing me. You know, when you listen to the to to those albums, you know how far or how how deep or what kind of vision visions they give you you know and uh, and it's like opening up territory you know it's like oh there's so so much i i never luckily i never had maybe that this is the, the the reason why i i've been productive in the last uh, few years uh, very productive but i never had the moment where it's like uh, um i don't know what to do you know yeah i always have the 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 the, the other problem is too much i have, i too much too many ideas for for the time i have <laughs> <laughs> but but this comes i think because listening to some mavericks like them you know like Coil and Tibet or Arvo Bart or Neubauden or these people that really opened up completely new sound worlds, you know. We know and and it just gives you so many ideas of possibilities. Not having you know, it's, it's not about copying them of course, it's, it's about finding your own um, door to your own uh, uh, chambers let's say so yeah coming back to to, to david being uh, you know able to 
to share creativity with someone that has been uh, very important for my opening of uh, of musical vision it's, uh, it's been i don't know a blessing really i hope we ma- we manage to 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 release it soon me too yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> any any idea on when that's due out not really no. <laughs> fair uh, it, enough it, 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 yeah not really but hopefully hopefully soon enough yeah Let's turn to your final album, I guess. It sounds like these two were tied for third, so maybe to call it a bonus mention is to do it a disservice, but uh, if you'd like to tell me the name of it and um, why it's important. Yeah, also, yeah, it was, I, I had in mind um, Halber Mensch by Sturzen Daniel Bauden. Again, in their big body of work, I think this is only the one I discovered with. And... Uh, uh, I remember going to this friend's house, and uh, he just bought the um, the videotape of that uh, album. I don't know if you have seen this concert uh, where they play in uh, in an um, abandoned uh, Japanese warehouse. Wow, I heard about it, but I haven't seen yeah. it. Oh, it's, it's on YouTube. Oh, wow. I'll check yeah. it out. You, you know that scene, your friend's your friend is grinning because your life is about to change. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he put it in the the, the videotape and we watched it without saying a word. And at the end of it, my musical world was uh, completely destroyed. (laughs) It was like their, their creativity and their ideas uh, and their, um, expressionism was completely something at the point in my life was something so um, there's such a, an impact of course you can you can uh, follow the normal route in music you know and which is nothing wrong with you know there's people who become great musicians and study your instruments a lot you know and all the scales and everything and all the tempos and everything you know yeah and then comes someone like like Neubauden, clearly with again with no musical uh, training at all, you know, being able to create this, I don't know, almost uh, symphonic, because it's such a yeah. I say symphony because the way the the, the sounds are put together is so, so genius, and. Uh, the bass player, which I, I have considered the, bass, the first bass player of Nobaldan, uh, Mark Chung, uh, one of my bass player uh, inspiration, because he manages to play one note and really mm, say everything with it. <laughs> like the, you don't need any any other note. It's just that one played in the, in the right way. Mm. So and then I saw I saw them live in 1990 or 91 
still the original lineup in Rome. Oh, wow. And again, it was like, you know, I was practicing with um, small bands and you know. They they raised the 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 bar so much. It's like going going out of the concert thinking, what 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 can a person do now? You know, <laughs> after this. Yeah. But it's been uh, you know one of those things that puts you like, okay, you know, I I want to dig deep. I want to to find my voice because uh, this is the other thing is also you know if you want. Uh, crucial to all these albums is like these were clearly people who found found you know their own unique uh, voice and their own uniqueness hmm. and uh, this has also to do with the personal uh, path you know yeah it's not something that just falls falls on your head from the sky it's a lot of work yes <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of, uh, of uh, sleepless nights. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, what what I love about Einstein's and Neubauten is how, as well, that the presentation of what they do has such a disregard for practicality. It seems like creativity at all costs. And yeah, you know, I heard about the fact that they had a show shut down shortly after this album came out because mm. of an improvised pyrotechnics display. I mean, having the words improvised and pyrotechnics together is enough to give any venue manager palpitations, yeah. I'm guessing, uh, but uh, yeah. it sounded insane, but, you know. And when I saw them play as well, I think it was two, three years ago now, mm -hmm. I spent half the time just looking at the machines that were being wheeled out to the stage. And mm -hmm. That was yeah. as much of a thrill as actually hearing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why this record in particular? I mean, it sounds like there was a particularly potent experience that you had. Yeah, it's just my own uh, experience. I discovered them with, with, at the time that album came out uh, mm. with that uh, videotape. So it's just the one who had most impact on me. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I mean, the the I think the first it's a long time I don't I don't listen to it, but I think it's the first track is the um, Halbermensch. Is this uh, crazy atonal choir? It's for me. It's, uh, I can rank it with uh, you know contemporary music uh, composers. It's really really incredibly written, and they were young guys. You know, they were young squatters. It's quite incredible it's, it's really like you do this sense of uh, that you need at some point I think it's like I do whatever I want whatever the consequences are no no safety net as you, as you were saying <laughs> yeah you know this is what I have inside this is what I will express and uh, I think we need more people <clears throat> that convey that message because more and more you know I think we, we all see the the the, the the signs, the messages coming from society is uh, play safe, uh, conform, play safe. Uh, even if you play, I mean, see the state of uh, indie music. How safe is that now, no? So, I mean, it's, it's music that really comes from, uh, I don't know, um, I don't I don't even know how to, how to put it, but, you know, uh, young people with uh, 
with the rich parents, I feel. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, well, I guess as well that if, you know, if that's the case, then there's perhaps if you are someone within those circumstances, there's a greater propensity to feel an obligation to mm-hmm. protect and to to fortify the walls, I guess, of your own cultural lineage. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, why would you break it if it's, you know, been built to house you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't see that. I mean, of course, uh, humbly, we try to, I can say me, you know, it's some people that have have had these, uh, in a way, torch, let's say, you know, from other people. Mm. We 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 all try to 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 bring it on and let it burn, you know, and to to do what there was this uh, sticker or this sentence somewhere. It's like what Coil did for you, you can do for others, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah, and um, in a way, I think th- this is part of of uh, carrying that process is like showing uh, with your work that humbly you know without wanting to 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 do big things or not wanting to save the world or anything like that but just saying uh, you know we for example we did zoo had a certain um, identity you know we are recognized and we could sell it a lot more if we kept that identity and uh, you know and uh, just did a couple of uh, of uh, smooth uh, uh, <laughs> uh, smoothings here and there, you know. Yeah. But but um, we decide to to release new music that is uh, what we need to express and it's challenging and everything. And if two people get it, you know, yes. and and they're and they're like, ah. Okay, they they are not playing safe, you know, and and still they seem to, you know, to be alive. So why can't <laughs> I do it? Yeah, uh, I think this this is uh, part of um, resisting the uniformity of uh, of the Disney world. I'm incredibly grateful to what you guys are doing in that band. I think one of the qualities that really speaks to me is that you seem to very actively instigate within me listening experiences that uh, have doubt and discomfort as part of their DNA. And I think Mm. the labour of, and I mean this in a positive way, but the labour of listening to something like your music where you can't take anything as a given, I think ultimately can be very hard, but then it also is so nourishing. So thank you for continuing to release records that instigate that within me mm. thank you thank you really well 
this has been wonderful, Massimo. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. It's been a pleasure to hear about these, these albums. Thank you. It's important also to have these little places and platform where we can share also our thoughts. If people want to keep up with what you're doing, where's the best place for them to be headed, if there is one, on the internet? Is uh, I guess uh, I guess zoism.net, and unfortunately, it's not the best place. But Facebook, right, yes, <laughs> but it's not the best place. Yeah. <laughs> so tread cautiously, everyone. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> it's the worst place. It is. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, um, thanks once again, and to everyone listening, I will see you next time. <laughs>